and they learned an awesome amount. In fact, it was one of those unforgettable, motivating learning experiences in their life that I'm sure they told their children, their grandchildren, their great-great-grandchildren, ever how long they lived. I'm sure that everybody who knew these men knew this story of Jesus walking in the water. They would never forget that. But you know something else they learned that day? They learned the awesome love of Jesus for them. He loved them so much, looking, piercing right through the darkness because it wasn't dark to him. He could see exactly where they were and what was going on. And what did he do? He came upon the scene in time to rescue them, to save them, uh, to comfort them, to increase their confidence and their assurance and to bolster them up and remind them that they had a loving Heavenly Father who can see right through the darkest of all storms and see exactly where we are and always be there right on perfect time. They understood that. Now, let me ask you a question. When you and I go through storms, what do we learn? It's always an opportunity to grow. We will grow if we respond properly. We will fail the wonderful opportunity of taking leaps forward in our spiritual growth if we don't respond correctly. And what is that right response? Trust Him. Fully trusting, fully dependent, fully surrendered, fully focused on Him, we will learn what God wants us to learn in the process. We will grow in our experience with Him. We'll grow in our understanding of who He is. Because you see, so many times people read the Bible and say, yeah, I, I, that's what, I, I believe all that. But you see, how much do we know about Him until we experience some things? When do you and I learn the most about who Jesus Christ is? When we get in a storm and we feel what they felt, helpless and hopeless. God, if you do not rescue me, there will be no rescue. We have the same opportunity they had, the same opportunity to, to learn, the same opportunity to grow. He is the Son of God. He is omnipotent. He is exactly who He says He is. They, they learned that. And to see the demonstrations of His awesome power in your life. All of us can look back in times in our lives when we've been in those situations and we have seen God show up, so to speak, end quote. He showed up. And he did something that was so miraculous, you and I would never have been able to figure out how or what he would do. But he always shows up. He always reveals himself because he's always there working in our life. Doing what? Making us aware of his ways. Making us aware of his presence. Making us aware of his power. Making us aware that he loves us absolutely unconditionally. He's always there because he wants us to grow. Growing our faith in Him, growing our dependence upon Him, grow in our absolute, total recognition of His Lordship and mastery over our life, that we are absolutely and totally surrendered to Him. That's what He's looking for. And so when we come to those stormy times in our life, then He uses the storm as a tool to grow us up and to deepen us and to strengthen us. It is His exercise in our life to make us to become the persons he wants us to be. Never even crosses his mind to sink us, but always to buoy us up and to get us to the point that he has in mind. Now, you may be one of those persons who says, well, you know, I've never trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, and so how do I know how to respond to this? Well, you see, you're in a storm, my friend, and that storm is ultimately going to sink you unless you get in the boat. And that boat is trusting the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, depending upon Him. And you say, well, how do I do that? You believe the testimony of Scripture that the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. 
and that he went to the cross of Calvary and laid down his life to pay your sin debt in full. And paying your sin debt in full, the moment you ask him to forgive you of your sins and to come into your life and to save you, in that moment he will. And that's as if you got in the boat with Jesus and from that moment on, he has an eternal grip of love on you and forever you may go through storm after storm, but you will never sink because you can't sink the son of the living God. You cannot sink him. God is willing to see you through the storm. You know the song, How Firm a Foundation. That soul that on Jesus hath leaned for repose, he will not, he will not desert to its foes. That soul, though all hell, shall endeavor to shake. He says, I'll never, I'll never, I'll never forsake. That is the promise of our Father. You're listening to In Touch, the teaching ministry of Dr. Charles Stanley. We tend to learn the most about God when we're the most helpless. It's when we take our eyes off the storm and focus on our Savior that we find He's the compassionate, loving God He promises to be. To listen again, click on the link to Today on Radio at intouch.org. And that's where you can learn more about the stability and comfort Jesus offers. If you go to the bookstore page, you can order a copy of Dr. Stanley's complete message, God's Provision, or order our teaching set titled, The Storms of Life. Again, you'll find these resources at intouch.org or call 1-800-IN-TOUCH. To write to us, address your letter to In Touch, Post Office Box 7900, Atlanta, Georgia, 30357. Storms can capsize us, but they don't have to sink us. We'll hear a story about that just ahead in today's Moment with Charles Stanley. Have you ever forgotten something God taught you when you were reading the Bible? When we take note of what God reveals to us, it helps us to apply it to our lives. With the Charles F. Stanley Life Principles Journal, you can keep track of your spiritual journey and be transformed by God's truths. This journal features artwork of Dr. Stanley's 30 life principles, lined pages for writing, a prayer journaling section, and more. To order, call 1-800-IN-TOUCH or go to intouch.org slash journal. In our spiritual journey, we often have questions. How do I know God's will for my life? Does God hear my prayers? Why do bad things happen? The answers are found in the Word of God. But how do we know where to start? The free In Touch devotional can help point you in the right direction with biblically-based content from Dr. Charles Stanley. You'll gain insight and wisdom through daily devotions, Bible studies, and more. The In Touch devotional, delivered monthly to your mailbox. Subscribe for free at intouch.org slash daily. You're listening to In Touch. The storms of life can result in spiritual insight and growth for believers who respond properly. Here's a moment with Charles Stanley. What about the Apostle Paul? You remember what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11? He says three times, three times he said, I suffered shipwreck. He says, in fact, one of those times, I was a day and a night in the sea. Now, uh, I never had, had, well, I did have one shipwreck at uh, one time uh, up on a big uh, lake up in Michigan, and this friend of mine and myself were sailing this sailboat, and one of those fast storms came up on that lake, and before I knew it, he and I both were in the water, and that boat was upside down. And the waves were so high that the boats were trying to get to us, 
I couldn't get to us, and we happened to have had on best by the grace of God. And it took them probably about 30 minutes before they could get close enough to us to even uh, rescue us. So I know a little teeny bit about what it feels like to be helplessly, hopelessly being tossed about, and you can't do anything about it. Well, here they were being tossed about, and he did not cause the storm to stop immediately. He allowed them to experience the fright, the fear, uh, the uncertainty, the questions, the doubt, the struggle with their faith. Where is he? Why did he send us out here? Surely he must know we're here. Why doesn't God do something? Well, God's under no obligation to do anything until he gets ready. Now, that's the thing we don't like sometimes, and, and I think all of us come to those situations in our life, and we think, now, Lord, surely uh, you want to stop this storm, but not necessarily until he accomplishes what he set out to accomplish. You can learn more about thriving in the storms of life at intouch.org. Tomorrow on In Touch, Jesus gave his followers the task of introducing the world to a personal relationship with God. I hope you'll join us Friday to hear about the role you could have in continuing the mission of making him known on In Touch, the teaching ministry of Dr. Charles Stanley. This program is a presentation of In Touch Ministries, Atlanta, Georgia, and remains on this station through the grace of God and your faithful prayers and gifts. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Jesus of Nazareth is one of those rare historical figures that nearly everyone wants to claim. You might say that just as God made us in his image, people have returned the favor and now remake Jesus in our image. In the 19th and 20th centuries, it became academically popular to claim to know exactly what Jesus taught while assuming that the gospel accounts, especially the miraculous parts, were not true. An assumption that was simply taken for granted is that Jesus never claimed to be God. Though the scholarly world has largely progressed past these scholars and their so-called scholarship, Jesus is still reimagined today as something other than Christ by many people. He's embraced as a political avatar or a lifestyle coach or a role that he was definitely ill-suited for, that of a really good teacher. Christians know that there's more to the Jesus story than all this, but how do we respond to these false claims about him? Well, a new video in the What Would You Say series tackles this question and offers three points to keep in mind. First, the scriptures clearly tell us who Jesus was and who he claimed to be. People who reject that Jesus was God have to reject some of the things that the gospel writers claim about Jesus while accepting others. But how do we know which parts we can trust and which parts we should reject? Often, skeptics end up keeping those parts of the gospels that describe the kind of Jesus they want to accept and end up with a Jesus they've pieced together. In other words, skeptics can be guilty of what they are assuming about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Not only is that inconsistent, but it ignores the fact that the gospel writers have provided a reliable account of the life and ministry of Jesus of Nazareth. Not only are the books full of eyewitness accounts of his life and ministry, the authors had strong incentive to rightly preserve and pass on the details they contain to dismiss the Gospels up front and assume that they could not possibly be reliable accounts means that we are left with no real sources about his life to conclude he was even a good teacher. 
Second, both the coming and the work of the Messiah were long ago foretold with prophetic details that were incredibly fulfilled by the life of Jesus Christ. In 700 BC, the prophet Micah predicted the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem of Judea. The prophet Zechariah announced that the coming Savior would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. Some psalms point to a crucifixion-like death centuries before this became a common means of execution under the Romans. Some skeptics claim that these prophecies were read back into the Old Testament by those in power in the early church. However, there are far too many details mentioned to be mere coincidence. The odds of one man's life matching so many of these predicted details would be astronomical. According to Professor Peter Stoner, the chance that any man fulfilled even eight prophecies is one in 100 quadrillion. Finally, the Gospels record the eyewitness accounts of Jesus' ministry, and one of the ways they confirm his identity as the Messiah is in recording the miracles that Jesus performed. In addition to the miraculous prophetic detail, Jesus performed miracles during his earthly ministry that were attested to by eyewitnesses and recorded in the scripture and history. Even his enemies who denied that he was the Messiah never disputed that Jesus of Nazareth performed miracles and wonders. In fact, after the crucifixion and resurrection, Peter, in the Pentecost sermon to the crowd in Jerusalem, reminded his audience that Jesus had fed 5,000 people, had restored sight to the blind, and had raised the dead to life. Peter claimed that all these miracles were done by Jesus in your midst. Look, Jesus didn't simply come to show us the way. He claimed to be the way, the only way to God. To see this video in our What Would You Say series and others like it, go to whatwouldyousay.org. For Breakpoint, I'm John Stone Street. For more resources to live like a Christian today, go to breakpoint.org. Thank you.